Welcome to the audience to our Let's Talk Value podcast series, which goes into its fifth season, believe it or not, this fall in 2023. It is a kind of a loose series where I speak with top experts and leaders in the healthcare arena in the 5P value chain, patient, provider, pharma and medtech, life sciences, payers and policy. So it's my distinct pleasure today to welcome back, actually, Thomas Hefti. Thank you, thank you. We are glad to be back, Verena. And I think today we're going to take a slightly different angle to the value chain, as Thomas also has an activity going in a particular interest in supporting early startups and early ideas. And that is a risky business, as we know. And uh, I'm we personally at 5P Healthcare Solutions work also quite a bit in helping startup companies with really that value-based healthcare angle of the end in mind. And there's this one tagline also that goes by stop selling products and start deliver outcomes to co-create value. So <laughs> these are just some, you know, a series of keywords to get everybody kind of going in their minds, turning, I think, spinning. So with this, um, Thomas, any any early ideas that come to your mind? I always usually ask the question, what does value mean for you in healthcare? You already re responded to that once. So, but any ingoing maybe ideas in terms of that end in mind as it relates to startups that are very early in their um, life cycle. I think the the you know the question that that you know why do you why do you actually go into uh, someone like me from having worked in, in in larger companies and organizations and why are you you know why am I actually looking at at startups and. I think it's it's one of the insights after having been in you know in the industry in various roles for 30 years that the the, the innovation happens in in very early stages and the that's where a lot of things can go right or or can go wrong and and often it's pure coincidence uh whether something makes it all the way through or not and uh that there is obviously a role for us for the larger uh, organizations but I think the, the 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 real action happens in these early stages, mm -hmm. which is a, a a real battle for of the best talents for resources and ideas. Uh, just for, um, kind of picking up on the word innovation, and I think that's really a key one that I think you said to me one time as I was writing my book, and you were saying innovation happens at the intersections, and. And obviously it happens early in the life cycle as well, because maybe there's more agility, whatnot. But I think we're gonna talk a little bit about these intersections because kind of who does it all require to interact? Because in the startup, obviously you have an idea, maybe a scientific idea or a discovery, but then you need to bring in the business mind in making a company out of this. So you said there's a battle and struggle for talent, but I think this is, quote unquote, only one barrier. I think there are many more barriers at those intersections. Anything that comes to your mind that people should particularly watch out in terms of who else do they need in the mix? So actually, I, I stole that term. I have to admit it. I, I didn't invent I know. it. Um, I know. But um, it's actually, I wouldn't talk about barriers. I would say there are opportunities or, or accelerators. Mm -hmm. um, and when you look at these, what, what I've noticed is that, that many of these ideas, they actually come from 
the universities. So, you know, those are most of these uh, young innovators, they, they have studied or are studying at, uh, at a university and then, you know, they have an idea and then they're, they're looking to do something with it. You know, the famous sentence, I have a great solution, now I need a problem. And there is only, there's a limit to what you can do within those academic environments. And that's where, the, where we have to create intersections and intersections with the real world in particular. And for example, I am obviously representing an intersection with bringing things from development stage to, to the customer, to the patient, but there are also a lot of uh, input from all these coaches that have serious series of these invention already. You know, how do you bring a company through all those different finance phases? So I think having this biotope early on to create those intersections, I think is essential to, to be creative and give this innovation a, a good start. So you mentioned um, a few examples already, and I think what our audience always likes is when it's kind of specific in certain places. So when you say that biotope, how would you describe an ideal biotope and what are some key functions and stakeholders that an early startup team should consider really consulting with or bringing with or at least minimum have a dialogue with? Who are some of those key functions? I think it, it starts with the universities or the, the you know in, in Switzerland it's the you know uh, the ETH in Zurich or the EPFL in Lausanne or the University of Zurich or the, the Paul Scherer Institute of Physics and it's it, it's creating that that safe space where these uh, these teams as part of their studies can actually start to make their first steps baby steps and I think. The next step then is bring them in contact with real life very early on. I think that that is one of the key elements. And I, I, I just one example uh, with the ETH in Zurich, where you know one of my contributions was to bring them the innovators, which is a, a postdoc uh, a student or a student working at an institute in contact with some key oncologists in, in mm -hmm. Switzerland. And I think that, that to me is that that first real world feedback is absolutely essential. So in that case, basically with the clinician, with the physician, um, so basically bringing yes. the more theoretical or, or practical idea, maybe from the lab or from the tech side, and then really kind of with that end in mind, it should potentially help patient care at the end. And I think it's always a good surrogate then to talk to a doctor because they're then in that value chain closer to that care delivery um, than maybe somebody in an academic institution. So I think this is um, this is really great. And I think coming back to what you said around creating those intersections with the real world and with that tagline of the end in mind, so the customer. So often inventions or therapies are developed for patient care not always maybe directly delivered to the patient. It can also be whatever, a better software to make appointments with the patient, et cetera. So, I mean, there, the, the variety is, is very large from digital health over pharmaceuticals, over med tech solutions. But eventually there's always something at the end that is close to the patient. So how, how do you work then with startups to advise them? So you once said, talk to the doctors and the clinicians in the real world early on. How else would you more ascertain than you said earlier, I have a solution, I need a problem to help them 
ascertain what the problem is. So how how will they really get a grasp on what they will help solve? I mean, you would be surprised, but the, the patient comes very, very late in the thinking of these startups. Um, these, these innovators, CEOs or, or CSOs or whatever they, they, they call themselves, they are very much in love with their product and their technology. And the only thing they think about is, you know, what all the steps to bring this through Mm-hmm. Uh, a regulatory process, but but the patient really is is, is far away, and uh, I think it, it, it's essential to again coming back to the work with the, with the clinicians, or in any way I work in the dental spaces so or with the dentist. Mm-hmm. Say okay, but how does that actually help the patient, or which is my patient that I'm going to treat with it? I think mm-hmm. that once you have that clear you have something in the hand when you have to start to talk to real investors. I mean, as an angel investor, you're kind of, you know, there are, the first you have the friends, fools and families investor type, and then you get to the business angels. And it's our job to help them, these innovations actually find their target audience, their patients, pictures, so that we then can talk to real investors who have the real money. And I think that's also happening in these early stages. Yeah. So to stay maybe on this example of the dentist, and that's what I meant, it's not always an invention will directly target or reach a patient. It can also add value in the value chain before. So for example, it can add value to the workflow of a dentist, for example. Exactly. Right? It, can things so that, fast. it can be faster, cheaper, whatever. Absolutely. Exactly. So how do you getting one level more specific then on this dentist example? So... Does it also mean like almost from user testing perspective to really sit down with the dentist, understand their workflows, go to their environment? So is that the type of work you would recommend to at the end really develop a product that really meets a problem 10 out of 10 times? (laughs) (laughs) I think that's the that's really the the, probably the best way to do it when you deal with medical devices, because medical devices has a big advantage over pharma, because with medical devices, it's actually quite easy to come up with some kind of a prototype, Mm -hmm. which you can, in this case, give in the hands of a dentist to play around, even if it's on, you know, not on a patient, but on a on -hmm. on a a tooth of of an animal, but they can at least they can drill, Mm -hmm. do things Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and for pharma, this is not possible. And that's why mm-hmm. I think pharma is the most complex one for a business angel to, to actually help because the, the, there is so much that will happen later on. The only thing we can do there mm-hmm. is to help the teams identify your, your the patient segment and the benefit that they need to deliver in order to actually just be a viable option many years from now. That's another problem. Mm-hmm. So that that's great. In our theme, it takes five to tango to collaborate <laughs> in healthcare. Um, there's also that theme of leading and following that we're exploring more, more deeply at our annual flagship event. And Pablo Pugliese, who is a tango coach, actually, he's a tango dancer, but he's also a leadership coach. So he brings forward the theme of leading and following. So there's not one boss in the 5P value chain, but everybody actually needs to step up equally and co-create. So in a startup founder and angel investor relationship, who kind of takes the first step? What's the recommendation? 
how would you love that people approach you? What, what would be great if they, the first encounter they come to you, what, what is it you would like to see? And then maybe that's another way to formulate the question. I mean, it's, it's interesting when you, I, I think what, what, what is important to me is, does someone have a stake in this? And it's, it's a, a very different position if you have your own money or your own work that you put into something that really puts you apart from everybody that kind of consults and kind of in the best way wants to have a part of this. It is the relationship between an investor who is putting their own career, life, whatever money into something. When I put in my money, there is a very different interest in bringing something to fruition. And I think that is what I expect. So when the, Usually it's the companies that meet us as angels that they, they are aware that they are, they're getting my money. This is not an organization or a third party. And that creates a very different bond compared to other investors or other stakeholders in, in this innovation system. So maybe with our uh, seven-step terminology of multi-party collaboration, that's really the emphasis on the relationship, which is really important, and the trust. And I yeah, think it's 99% is, is that initial relationship and the trust in a, in a CEO. Uh, if that, you know, and you know, it's, you, you basically have 10 minutes at these pitches. And after that, you can already tell, is that something or is it not? And, um, and all of that anchored in what you said, you know, having a stake in this, so really a strong purpose. And maybe another P is passion, right? That I'm hearing Absolutely. you say. Yeah. Um, and, and that kind of is part of creating value in the sense of not only selling a product, to put it a little over-exaggerated, but just to make the point and move to delivering outcomes because you really believe that the solution you're developing will change the world and it's your baby and you really want to want to put this forward. And I think this is really interesting to hear that's almost the qualitative aspect also of, of the pitch and not only the tech and the, the what. It's much more important, of- honestly, Evelyn. I yeah. think that when, when you look at how business, in change, business angels usually engage, it's, it's again, it's 90% is, is the person pitching. Uh, it can be a great idea, but if the team that you see is not convincing that you will not get an investment, you will not make an investment. I think we could almost close here. We still have a few minutes, but I think it was such the essential what you what you just mentioned and to my ears of what you were just saying. Um, so we covered a lot of ground and always I'm asking this question at the end. Was there something we haven't? spoken about of course we could do a one hour podcast out of this but we only have 20 minutes yeah. i mean but um, i would i would only encourage people that you know have been working in larger organizations and have the let's say the financial independence to think about ways how they can support startups uh how they can support innovation in the early stages uh the there is a, a big unmet need in particularly now i think the, there is that the money is not flowing as freely as it used to so mm-hmm. i think that it, that is much it doesn't take a lot of money but mm-hmm. taking your you know the, the sixth p the passion and help these young people usually they are young at least compared to my age uh, uh make their first steps and maybe be the start the beginning of something great uh, i think it's it's a very rewarding Wonderful call for action for others to support early startups. <laughs> I think our startups colleagues will love us for this 
for this pitch. And I love also the 6P, the passion. We will absolutely integrate this moving forward. And I personally had the learning how important really the relationship aspect and the passion is in that relationship between uh, startups and angel investors, at least. Thank you very much, Thomas Hefti. Thank you, Verena, and see you soon. See you soon.